Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the What's True for Everybody podcast. This, if you're just joining us, is a podcast where we like to talk about what's true for everybody, no matter who you are. And we do it from a Jesus-centered, uh, biblical, biblically-centered spot, space. And we, uh, what's true for everybody right now is this pandemic we find ourselves in the midst of. And so we're in this series called Seeing God in a Pandemic, where we are talking to a variety of people uh, about how this, these last couple months have affected uh, our life, our work, our routine. And then the second part of the conversation is in the midst of all of that, how have you seen God? Because our belief is that God can bring something good out of any garbage dump of a situation. And we've talked to some fascinating people. We, let's see, this is conversation number seven. We've talked to so far a doctor, a senior in high school, a middle school teacher, a COVID-19 survivor. We've talked to a pastor who uh, is a pastor at large is what we, we call them. He's, he's all over the place and, and with a bunch of different churches and communities and, and leaderships. And we talked, our last conversation was with a kindergarten teacher. And today we are thrilled. This is experience number 65. Um, what's true for everybody seeing God in a pandemic number seven. And we have Pastor Carl Sutter with us today. Now, Carl Sutter is the senior pastor of Foundations Church in Loveland, Colorado, in Northern Colorado, which was planted, I believe, uh, was it 10 years ago? 2000? Uh, eight years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago. Mm -hmm. um, he's actually my pastor. My family and I, we go to Foundations Church. And uh, Carl, I don't know how to describe him other than to say he's a pastor's pastor. Carl is someone who you want to be pastored by. He has a heart for people. He loves people. He loves uh, his people at his church. He has a heart for people who are hurting. And actually, I got to know Carl not quite a year ago now, but it's pretty close. And it was, I actually, the way I got to know Carl was, was almost a microcosm of what we're talking about in this series. Um, there were some things in, in my life, and I've said before that 2019, emotionally speaking, was, was the darkest, hardest year of my life. And um, if things didn't go the way they would have gone, if things went the way I, I thought they were going to, I would never have met Carl. So Carl and I became friends um, in the midst of a dark place in my life, which I am actually, I'm super grateful for. So Carl Sutter, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. It's great being with you, Matt. Thank you. Uh, likewise. Now, before we jump in, um, tell us a little bit about your journey as a pastor. I mean, you're an Ohio boy. You have some Chicago roots as well, and then you made it out to Colorado. So tell us a little bit about that. And then briefly, what is it like to be in the midst of this pandemic at home with two teenage boys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, my journey started, um, I went to seminary in Chicago, um, and um, I decided when I was going, the, the seminary was located in the northern suburbs, but I wanted to live uh, in the inner city while I went there just to get exposed to the inner city. And that was revolutionary for me. It was fantastic. Learned a lot about the dynamics of the inner city. I, I love the energy. I love the diversity of it. And thought, wow, if I ever get the opportunity, I'd like to, because uh, I was doing volunteer stuff with youth stuff back then. Uh, then I then I became a pastor right after seminary, uh, and it wasn't in the city; it was in Iowa. So just yeah. the opposite of it. The opposite of the city. <laughs> yeah. 
And that was really good for me because it was a smaller church and uh, they basically had hired me. That was it. So in terms of learning how, how to be a pastor, that was fantastic because I basically learned everything. I had to work with boards, I had to work with kids, youth, parents, uh, and, and that was a great experience. And then out of nowhere, Matt, out of nowhere, um, uh, inner city church in Chicago, actually the one I was attending when I was living there, uh, called me up and said, hey, we, we're looking for a pastor, would you come? And so that's what led me to go back to the inner city. And I was there for uh, 10 years in an amazing, uh, just an amazing uh, place in its geograph geographically. It was amazing. Uh, Di the dynamics of the diversity was great. The local high school uh, um, was Sen High School, and Sen High School at that time had over 70 different language groups represented in that one high school. Wow. So it was a really diverse place. So that, that was fun. Um, I, like this, I like this verse in, uh, I think it's Paul talking to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, pay attention to yourself and to your doctrine. And all my uh, education, in terms of the Christian education, made me pay attention to my doctrine, make sure I was orthodox, make sure I was, uh, but I did not, uh, I didn't learn, but it's no one's fault but my own, but I didn't take good care of myself. Mm. And after 10 years in that inner city, um, I had a dramatic, drastic fall from ministry. Okay. And then I, re I, I realized, uh, since I've been in ministry for a while, that most, you know, while, while seminaries spend a lot of time on making, paying attention to our doctrine, most people fail in ministry because they don't pay attention to themselves. Yeah. Uh, that was the bigger one. So that was a very great education for me. Uh, moved out here in Colorado, and then all of a sudden, yeah, we were here at, at Foundations Church. And you've been in Colorado for how long? We moved here. We lived in Chicago, both my wife and I. Lost our jobs. Um because of 9-11. Mm. My wife actually worked in the World Trade Center, not, not when the planes hit, but she'd go there every other week from Chicago. Yeah. Managed a team of six, she lost two people. Wow. And then, and then after that, her business, she was a consultant. I also was in kind of the soft skills consulting part of the business world. Uh, and our business uh, just fell right off the table. So uh, both of us lost jobs. We had no jobs. And my wife, who's more of a risk taker than I am, says, hey, let's move to Colorado. I go, we don't even have jobs there. She goes, perfect time. <laughs> um, so we, we, we uh, moved out here, knowing no one, having no jobs, just putting our faith that God would uh, direct our steps, and he certainly did. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And, and how is it being in a house with two teenage boys right about now? How are they doing? Yeah, it's uh, both my boys are social. Both my boys uh, love athletics and sports and love to compete. So without doing that, uh, having that kind of taken away, it's been, it's been a struggle. You know, yeah. I mean, to keep them busy, uh, make sure that we're trying to maintain uh, a, a positive perspective on things. Um, their restlessness uh, is definitely a challenge to try to make sure we uh, don't self-destruct from within, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've been good. They've been troopers for which I'm appreciative. Nice. Good, good. Okay. One of the reasons I want to talk to you, um, we talked uh, last week to Pastor Steve Carter, who you know, and Steve um, is all over the place when it comes to, to speaking and um, groups he's a part of 
you, I wanted to talk to you because you are the pastor of one church and I liken my experience at your church has been a lot like, it reminds me of a church that we used to go to in Grand Rapids, Michigan called Mars Hill Bible Church. And that, that was a church where if you, for lack of a better phrase, were, were burned out, you didn't know if you wanted to be a part of organized religion, Christianity, whatever it was, that was a place where people felt comfortable going. And my experience is, is that's the same with, with your church. And I think that starts with you and your posture towards people, your language towards people. Uh, your, it is so obvious that you have a heart for your people and for people who are hurting and you, you want to be people's pastor. Um, so I imagine for you, this is a really difficult time where you can't do that in the ways that you're used to doing it. Now, some ways you can, and there's probably some new creative ways that you're doing it. Um, but you can't go to the coffee shop across the street from your church and sit across the table from someone who wants to talk to you right now. So um, tell us, first question is, what is it in all of this in the pandemic? What are some things that you have lost? both you personally as a pastor and maybe even some of the things your church has, has lost in the midst of this. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think, you know, your experience, as you were describing your experience with our church and your assessment of it, I think that is very accurate. We're, we try to be a very hands-on, uh, very uh, caring place where connection is critically important. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, we have lost a lot of that mm -hmm. um, because we don't, uh, we don't have that. You know, the, the church, the New Testament church is built upon one another's, you know, love one another, serve one another, care for one another. So the, I believe the most dynamic churches are those who do one anothering really well. Mm -hmm. Now society for this time has taken away one anothering. <laughs> So it's like telling the church, okay, be the church, but we're going to take away your most vital assets to be the church. So that has been really, really uh, discombobulating. And I, mm. feel, I feel like I'm in a fog trying to figure this out. So that's been a huge loss. Our church, like a lot of our, you know, all my ministry career, 20, going 25 plus years, almost all of it has been building centric. Um, you know, we're going to have a Bible study here, meeting here, the board's meeting here, all building centric and buildings are an amazing blessing that has been taken away from us. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you care, disciple, uh, 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 encourage, how do you do all those one another's that are built on two things, basically, uh, knowledge, you know, disciple somebody, you have to give them knowledge and community. Uh, we could do knowledge now still via via what we're doing, yeah. but without community, I think really, really, at least for me, hampers the effectiveness of of what we want to do as a church. That's a big loss for us. Yeah. How have you been navigating that? How have you been adjusting to that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, probably, um, I, I feel, I feel like. Um, I feel like I'm wandering in the wilderness. I'm in, I'm in the land of in-between. Can't, can't have what we had. Not sure what the future is going to look like. There's a lot of experts and a lot of 
people who are pontificating about what that will look like. Yeah. I don't know. So we're trying a whole bunch of different things right now and uh, not knowing just how effective it really is. Yeah. Yeah. When did you first know, oh, wow, we can't meet anymore. We're going to have to totally shift this. Like, yeah. And when right so now. This, this week, I just, like, I think I just mentioned before you and I got on, I just, today, today's Friday, I just uh, uh, went in this morning and uh, recorded the, 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 we did the service this morning. Um, this is our ninth week. Okay. It's our ninth week of not having church in our building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, ha- and that started right when the governor of Colorado said no large assemblies. Yeah. Um, got everybody, told the churches, we, we had a big meeting all via on a large uh, conference call. And we were told um, no, no longer can you assemble in large groups. Yeah. And I remember the week before that, I think it was, uh, we were at church and it was the greeters at the doors, both outside and inside, um, weren't supposed to shake hands anymore. And, and rightfully right. so. And there was no like meet and greet, shake each other's hands. And, and if there was, people weren't doing it because right. no one knew what was going on. Um, and so you, like that was one, one Saturday evening and Sunday. And then the next, like six days after, <laughs> six days after that last Sunday service, that particular weekend, between that time, you had to figure out how to get its service totally online. Yes. Um, what was that week like for you? That was a that was a that was a uh, a week of yeah really scrambling. We we were a little bit ahead of the curve because we have some amazingly uh, great knowledgeable tech people. Plus, we're a multi-site church. Mm-hmm. So before we before our other site um, met in their physical building, we had a month with them doing virtual church, Mm -hmm. so to speak. That was a massive, massive gift to us. So our team really knew how to, to accommodate this and and get it going. So, so in that way, we, we, we feel blessed that we had the the people in place and the technology in place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say you do it, you do it really well. Um, For you as the pastor, what's the hardest part of all of this? Yeah, I, I am by nature. Um, I mean, you said some kind words uh, introducing me, so thank you for that. I think uh, I am by nature an extrovert. I am by nature a people person. Um, a lot of my week is exactly what you described: meeting people uh, for uh, for coffee, having almost every day I have lunch with people. Um, so there's a so the loss for me is. Um, you know, I, I, I actually enjoy that. I, I feel I feel that's in many ways part of my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. That's been taken away. So that that's been uh, hard for me. It, it's been a, a challenge for me to know how to how how do I stay connected to people? What do, how do I kind of reinvent myself during this COVID era? It, it's been challenging. Has it been a lot of phone calls and Zoom calls? Yes, mm-hmm. I got our staff together. I had our staff together and um, we divided up. I mean, you know, on a weekend we'll have, I don't know, we'll, we'll just like say 2,500 people. That's on one weekend, but that's like 6,000 some people, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I told our admins to um, 
get everybody in our database that we possibly can, print out pages, and we handed pages to all of our staff, uh, even building guy, maintenance guy, and we spent the first couple of weeks calling everybody uh, and saying, what do you need? How can we help? Here's, yeah. a, here's, a, here's a way to stay in touch. So we, we tried to be very proactive in, in reaching out and connecting with people that way, letting them know that we're, even though we're not congregating on the weekend as a church, in the building, we're still trying to be the church and still trying to do those one another's in a virtual way. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually got a phone call from one, one of the staff. Hey, Jamal, that's good to know. Yeah. So <laughs> I can attest to that. And uh, my family has actually benefited from the generosity of your church during this time. And so I know that you all are, are doing things. I think your heart has been, and you've, like, you've even said this during a service, um, is how can we serve you? It's on your website and you actually mean it. You're trying to help people in, in the variety of ways that people need help right now. So you're not just, oh crap, we have to get a service up every six or seven days. You're actually reaching out of how can we pray for you? Is there financial support you need? Are you out of a job? How can we right. help you with that? Um, I even walked into your building once um, and is there a weekly like vegetable giveaway? Do you give away weekly food? Yeah, every week. I mean, Tuesday and Thursday, we're giving away food every every week. Uh huh. Yes. Okay. And who does that go to? Um, virtually anybody who comes to our place who who needs it, we try to okay. advertise that. And if and if there's certain food pantries that are out, we, we still are pretty well stocked. So we try to take, get people to send them our way because we we have enough to to distribute. Yeah. Are are people pretty? vocal about their needs or has it been more of you reaching out and your staff reaching out to people and figuring out those needs or are people freely saying look i need help yeah and and i i think that's a great question and i think it's um for us we're experiencing kind of across the board mm -hmm. you know some people who are in desperate situations they're they're, they're aggressive my concern and that's why we're trying to call people and still call people. My concern are people who are um, shy or, you know, prideful or whatever the word may be. They don't want to hand out, but they are hurting. So that's why we're trying to be proactive, too. So we're trying to let people come to us. And, and, and people are. That's a good thing. And I'm worried about the people who are in need that may not be as assertive as that. Yeah. Yeah. Have in your interactions with people, because you're still talking to people. Yes. Have their questions and their thoughts and their conversation starters changed over the last six or seven weeks? Yes. Like, Go ahead. I, I was gonna. Is there like a, a deeper level of conversation happening now? That is a profound question. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Because no, it really is. It really is because no one has asked that, and it has significantly mm -hmm. so especially from the people that, uh, that you know, we're finding out, because we, we meet as a staff all the time on Zoom, but um, we're finding out that, you know, when we first called people the first week or two, we're good, we're good, thanks for calling, blessings, goodbye. Mm -hmm. And those phone calls lasted, you know, 60 seconds. <laughs> now, these phone calls are lasting, uh, we, we tried to talk this week, people are saying average 15, 20 minutes. Uh, wow. People want to talk more, they're, they're more uh, concerned about what COVID-19 is doing. They're very concerned about what the future looks like. And so, uh, yeah, the impact of, of this has been kind of almost feels like a little bit of a tourniquet with time 
they're feeling the squeeze of this more and more. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I've noticed too, which I brought up before, um, is people who before either didn't, weren't willing, weren't open to having conversations about God, higher power, whatever it is, now are, it's almost like, where else do we turn? What, what, else, what else could save us here or help us here? You being someone who loves talking to people about God's love, the love of, of, of Jesus, the saving grace of Jesus, have, is that something you've noticed as well? Absolutely. This is a, a time I think that is ripe for spiritual conversations. People mm-hmm. are open to it. Uh, don't, sometimes you don't even need to open the door. They do right. it themselves and they're willing to go there because this is uh, bigger, bigger than they anticipated and feel that they need a power beyond themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And have you seen, have you, how have you seen people turning to healthy modes of dealing with this? And how have you seen people turning to unhealthy modes of dealing with all this? Yeah, that's a good question too. And I think, um, I, I think, well, I'll start with the unhealthy. I mm-hmm. think um, there's a natural uh, curiosity and uh, concern about where we're going. And so I think in, in the midst of that, people want information. So I think some people are home all day and have the TV on all day. I think that's a danger. Um, I think that almost fuels more fear, more unknown. Uh, So I think uh, that's an unhealthy way to be almost obsessed obsessed with trying to find out what media is telling us. Um, uh, I think a better way that I've seen people do it is is trying to um, use this, this new space we're in to be able to uh, do different things that they haven't done before. So for instance, um, you know, we have a, 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 you know, of course we have small groups and stuff. We have a couple of small groups. Of course they're not meeting. Some, a lot of them meet on Zoom. Mm-hmm. But the leaders of the small groups uh, every other day call up a couple in their small group and go for a walk together. Uh, and it's just, that's been a very, very uh, a little thing but a very profound thing because yeah. it helps you get out of your own world into someone else's, move your body a little bit and you could talk and some people talk and pray together. And it helps realize that, that, uh, cause I think if we stay home with our TVs on all the time, I, I think that can lend to the walls feeling like they're moving in on us. Yeah. So I think it's good to see that there still is life going on and, and to, to, and to participate in it. Yeah, I like that. That's a good response. Uh, okay. Um, how does the church, not foundations, the church survive all of this? Well, I think, I think, um, I think it's going to force the church to um, kind of have to reinvent ourselves. And so I don't know what that's going to look like, but it's going to force us, I think, to uh, pray and uh, uh, talk more to our people and 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 kind of collaboratively um, invent what this uh, w- where this will take the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not sure. I know there's a lot of ideas and a lot of talk about what what it looks like. I'm not sure anybody knows for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to keep us. Uh, I think it's going to keep us hungry, 
and make us not get complacent for sure. I think um, uh, we're going to have to find new and innovative ways to connect with people, not so much on our terms, like maybe, maybe it used to be on our terms a lot, maybe to figure out how to connect with people in innovative ways so we can hear from them. You know, the, the early church didn't have buildings either. They, yeah. they had to find creative ways to, to be a dynamic force and a dynamic community. And I think we're moving into an era where we're going to have to discover what that looks like. Yeah. And, and the, the local church is, has been forced to figure out different ways of, of doing this. Yes. So a follow-up question to that for you is, um, and this goes along too with, Hey, we believe God can bring something good out of any sort of situation. What is it that you've experienced? What have you learned? Um, what have you found realized in this time that you want to take with you when this is all over? And it's like, man, I don't know if we would have found this without this COVID situation, but I want to hold on to this because this is, this is good. Yeah. So, um, that's a good question too. We talked about that as a staff. I think, um, like early on and maybe it's stabilized now, but early on, in the first early weeks of this, like our numbers uh, in terms of what we're doing online, we're like mm -hmm. off the charts, off the charts. So there's a, so we have foundations church, what we think it is, but there's a lot of people who tune into us that mm. we don't even know about. Yeah. There's a lot of people who find it easier to tune into us, not coming to the physical building, yeah. but would call us our church. So how, how are, so that's amazing. You know, that's, that's an amazing, and it's a big number. So what, what are we going to do to continue to engage these people, help them with their spiritual lives? They're, they're connecting with us for some reason, right? right? A spiritual hunger or something. And so how can we, what can we do to leverage their, they're reaching out to us via the internet. How in the world can we, develop community with these people mm -hmm. and help them grow in, in, in their faith. That's something we want to hold on to. There's a big evangelism component of this that goes well beyond what we, well beyond our walls. Yeah. And, and I think the sky's the limit on how you can do that. Um, I mean, you're even from, from what I've seen, you're doing online Bible studies right now, I believe on Thursdays. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and, right. Um, you're already finding ways to do this. And I think for you, I know your staff and I think you have the pastoral ability of the people who have the, who, who just are good pastors and can do that. And you also have the people who know how to use the internet <laughs> yes. to be able to do that. So I think right. you all are like primed for figuring this out. However, you need to, to do that. And I think you're right. I think even when we can get back to meet, um, one of the ways we're going to have to continue to engage people or at least intentionally is probably not just services, like not just streaming our services, but there's probably other things to do online as well that people are going to continue to thirst for. And right. I mean, so someone, someone I heard the other day was talking about this and, and said, you know, like, like for, for instance, we'll talk to foundations, foundations, we, we, you know, in our mentality, we think a staff, we think like, okay, we're a church with uh, two locations, and then we do some things uh, online. And now the shifting, I think, is going to be we're an online church, mm. 
that right now we have two locations. So it's, it's a big shift. We're not a church that has, that has opportunities online. We're an online church with all these people that are far bigger than we don't even know a lot yeah. of them, have never seen them. Yeah. Now we're an online church. What does that mean? And how do we d- develop church from that? And then we happen to have two locations, but we, we got to shift our mentality. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's right on. Um, and still, I think nothing can ever really totally replace the flesh and blood interaction. Right. Nothing, there's nothing like, if you're worshiping, to me, um, being with people, worshiping, praying, yes. learning, singing, whatever it is, there's nothing like sitting across the coffee table from somebody. I mean, Zoom's one thing. Zoom is great. And, and thank God for what we have when it comes to technology. And, and how would we deal with this if we didn't have <laughs> being able to talk to each other on our phones and computers and see each other's faces? Um, but still, and I think this might even lead, to, it will lead to a greater appreciation of just the human interaction. Human element of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. There are, you've seen the pastors who are like, I don't care what the government says. I don't care what viruses are going around. We're meeting anyway (laughs) in the midst of all of this. Um, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this. Did that ever cross your mind? No. um, Because um, we're two two things. One is... um, we can still be the church. Right. They're not saying shut down the church. So we could still be the church. They're just saying don't, and, and I get it. Hebrew says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I, get the, I get what people are saying there. But the other side of it is, from my biblical perspective and who I am as a Christian, uh, Christianity always has had a different view of power. Mm-hmm. And power is always used to serve and to look out for the least of these. Yeah. So, um, so I, I think the church has an obligation to, you, you know, and I know that, and I'm not scientific enough or smart enough to understand all the dynamics of COVID, but I do know this, there is a reality, reality to it and people are dying from it. These are <laughs> real people. Yeah. I saw the yep. other day, all those bodies being stored in New York city in those trucks mm-hmm. brought tears to my eyes. Those are people, fathers and dads who have sons and daughters and parents. And so we have an obligation to always use our strengths to serve. Yeah. And so if, if we have to err on the side of caution um, and we can still assemble now, I know it's not that, but via what we're doing today, you and I, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, 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 and forsake that for a time being so that the least of these can be protected. That I think is being a lot like what Christ would want us yeah. to. Yeah. I'm with you. That's well said. That's well said. Um, yeah. I like, I like the, the church is to serve the least of these. I mean, it reminds me of, and let's leave the idea of other churches who were meeting behind. Cause I'm not saying this to them, but it's the juxtaposition of, you know, in the first century, there was Rome, there was peace in Rome because they killed everyone who disagreed with them. That's how they got to, that's how they got to peace. And then, and then there's the peace of Jesus, which is 
exactly what you said to humble oneself and to serve and to become the least to serve the least of these. And so well said. Um, okay. A couple more things before we move to the second part of this conversation. Um, the first is one of the things I've realized for myself in all of this, and there's a teaching in here somewhere that I'm working, <laughs> I'm working on in my head, but it's one thing to like for someone to lose income or a job or interaction with people. And that's real and that matters and that hurts and it's not good. Um, it's a, it's a much deeper thing and a, a much different thing to feel like you might be losing a purpose. Um, if, I can like get up in the morning and not be making as much money as I used to or not have the job. Um, and okay, I still have some things to do, but if I wake up in the morning and be like, what's my purpose here? Um, that's a much more dangerous thing. So for, for people who are listening in the midst of this, they're home all the time. The temptation is to just turn on the TV. The temptation is to look at the news on their phone. The temptation is to be on Facebook for 12 hours a day. Um, what would you say to people who are questioning, like, what's my purpose right now? How can we keep that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think what, um, one of, one of the, uh, silver linings maybe in COVID is to hone our thinking on that because, uh, I think I think Americans um, can look at purpose and look at it from almost a selfish point of view. Hmm. Uh, my, surf, my, my purpose is I'm going to write this book, I'm going to have this job, I'm going to have, and I understand all that, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Yeah. But as a follower of Jesus, our purpose is bigger than that. Our purpose is to serve him mm -hmm. and you serve him by serving people so i'd like to think you know when, when the apostle paul was put in was incarcerated in in rome he didn't lose his purpose yeah he, he he had to find different ways to use his purpose and so i think this is i think this is a good thing because it helps us you know my, my purpose is not to be uh pastor of foundations church mm -hmm. right now that's a vehicle that i can use to serve my ultimate purpose. And my ultimate purpose is to serve the body of Christ, to serve people. So on, uh, on one level, this is a great opportunity for us to get in touch in a deeper way mm. with our purpose because now we have more opportunity for those of us who are in, good, in, a, in a situation where we're not sick, we have our health, to serve people yeah. and to make the gospel even that much more attractive because we're serving God. Purpose is never about me finding something to serve me. Mm. Purpose, in my opinion, is higher than that. It's to, it's to get involved in God's purpose, which is to serve, love, care, and show grace to the people around us. Wow, good, thank you. Well said. Okay, that'll lead into this, this next question. Um, we are recording this. It's Friday, May 8th, which would have been Ahmad Arbery's birthday. Mm. So, mm. Where is that? Um, 
young black man. He was 25 years old, going for a run in his suburb of Georgia, gets shot by a, a father and, and son, two white men. Um, and you have this, I mean, that's, that's, it's all over this week. Um, we just found, uh, the, the public really just found out about it this week. Uh, and um, today being his, his birthday, you have the hashtag I run for mod on um, um, as the church, Carl, how can we, and maybe even right now in the midst of what's going on, um, fight systemic racism. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Matt. You're right. welcome. Here, here, we're going we're gonna to solve the world's problems. Here we go. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, first of all, tragedy of all tragedies, just a guy going out for a run, right? So I'm going to say two things about that. Okay. One is the church. Uh, this, this first answer may not, I believe it, it may sound trite, I don't mean it to be, but the church has to be about living and sharing the gospel. And the gospel, in, according to Galatians 3, when you're in Christ, there is male nor female, Jew nor Greek, all, uh, bond or free, all the human uh, things that we prop up to divide us, are eradicated through Jesus Christ. Mm. So it should end, it, it, if a Christian really is embracing and living the gospel, it should end sexism. It should end uh, the rich versus the poor. It should, mm. it, it should end all those distinctions. And mm. the biggest one, certainly in, one of the biggest ones in our country is racism. Mm -hmm. and, and the church you know, which throughout history has been at the forefront of doing some big things, you know, helping eradicate slavery as it used to be and all, all those things. The church has been great. We have got to be at the forefront of eradicating racism. Mm -hmm. There is, a, a black man is no different uh, than a white man. We're all the same. You cut us, we bleed red. We are God's creatures. Mm -hmm. So when we preach the gospel, we got to make that very clear to, to, to do whatever we can to to eradicate any boundaries that separate people, Republican, Democrat, rich and poor, all that needs to be eradicated. So one, we, we gotta be, we gotta be forceful at that as a church, not, not to allow uh, differences to separate us. Actually differences make us better mm. when we understand what the gospel is. Second of all, then I think the church has to be very intentional at, um, at, modeling that mm -hmm. modeling what it means um so we i live in loveland colorado which is in many ways compared to my background in chicago where sen high school had 70 language groups <laughs> i guarantee you, my kid's school has one language yeah. <laughs> so so we're a pretty homogeneous uh uh culture right here yeah. but but in in um well, I just want to show you this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna preach, but I just want to show you this passage. Like, Jesus, <laughs> you can preach Matthew, if you want to. In Matthew chapter nine, Jesus traveled through all towns and villages, teaching, pronouncing the good news, healing every kind of disease and illness. And then it says this. I want to say he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were confused 
like a sheep without a shepherd. He, he, he saw the crowds, he had compassion upon them. And, and then he said, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is great. The workers are few. Pray to the Lord for, for to send workers in the harvest. I, I, I say four things about that. Jesus went, Jesus saw, Jesus felt, and Jesus cared. Hmm. And that's what we have to do. It, uh, we, we have to, it was easier, but, but I, we, we got to go to see people who are different than us. Yeah. Because when we go, then we'll see, we'll understand them better. And hopefully that'll move our heart. And then when we, when we go and then when we see, we'll feel, and that will compel us into action. So what I want at, at, at where I'm pastoring, which is a very homogeneous society, I want them to see people of different color. I want them to hear, I want to bring African-American preachers in and hear them say, wow, these people love God. They love the word of God. Wow. I thought this, they, all their preconceived ideas, it, it creates consternation, which is good. Yeah. I want to take our kids to the inner city of Denver. I want them to go to the Denver Rescue Mission. I want them to see where people live. Because the more we see, the more we isolate ourselves, the more I can see differences. Um, and, and, and when I see differences, then I prejudge, and those prejudgments create distance. And before I know it, I'm filling that distance up with my, with, I think these are your words earlier, my narrative I get, to, I get to create why you're different than me. I see yeah. you're wearing Cub gear today. When I was in <laughs> Chicago, I was a Sox fan, right? Oh, man. So, so, yeah, I know. So if I don't know you, I can create a narrative of what Cub fans are like, right? Yeah, yeah. People, they got a lot of money, they, you know, whatever <laughs> it is, right? Just want to go sit in the bleachers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so that creates differences. I want to but, – but my whole world will change when I go into a Cub game and see, wow, these are people just like me. They got families. They got cares. They got hurts. They got, and so we as a church have to be aggressive about breaking down those walls. Yeah, thank you. And I love it. And A, I love that you um, engage these types of conversations and aren't afraid to talk about them. And B, your, your heart, your love for people comes out. And I would say, similar to this virus, like uncertainty brings fear a lot of times. And to your point, the more we don't know somebody, the more we don't know some other people group, the more uncertainty it, it, there is, um, the more fearful we get, which leads to all sorts of dangerous things. But when you actually go to people, get to know them, what you realize, and you alluded to this, is I don't care who you meet, we are much more similar than we are different. Absolutely, God's image bearers and as people created by God. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent right, Matt. So um, thank you for that. Our hearts go out to Ahmad Arbery's family and um, it's, it's a horrible situation. Um, So today he would have been, I believe 26. Wow. Wow. Sad. Sad. Um, So, Okay. You're a pastor of a church you can't meet right now. Uh, one of, if not your favorite part of being a pastor is actually being with people, pastoring them, talking to them, getting to know them. Um, so there are some things that have been taken from you. There's nothing you did to deserve it. It's nobody's <laughs> fault. It just happened. Um, which means there's a lot of, of hard, 
hard, hard things and heartache in this season. But in the midst of it all, how are, how are some ways that you've seen God at work in you, in your church, in your people, um, in the world? Yeah, that's great. It's a great question. Um, so I, 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 I just, I, I, here's what I just told some people. Uh, it was good for me. When, um, when the children of Israel were about to get, uh, go into the promised land, they were at the Jordan River, and the Bible says God took them to the Jordan River during the floodplain, which is like, that's crazy. You know, why in the wintertime you could walk on you know, ice, or <laughs> in September it's a trickle. Why bring them in the floodplain? <laughs> uh, that, that, that seems like, like counterintuitive, but God always is that way. Yeah. And then, of course, God's, God split the Jordan River, and they went through it. And here's what I was telling people this week. Uh, when, when they were going through it, God had them take something from it. Hmm. Pick up rocks. Yeah. And, and then they built a memorial. Why? Because it's a memorial for people that, that God, got us, God got us through. So it, you could look at that and teach generations. So here's, here's my challenge to myself and the others during COVID-19. We're going to get through it. God is faithful. And, and we have to be patient, which we're probably not by nature patient people. <laughs> we will get through it. God is a faithful God. Here's the challenge for, I think, all of us. What are we going to take from it? Mm -hmm. uh, what can we take from it so that when uh, one of these days, I already do, but one of these days you're going to have grandkids and your grandkids are going to say, hey, grandpa, how did you, what happened during COVID-19? Hmm. I hope every follower of Jesus has a story that has victory in it. Mm -hmm. So for me, this was great because uh, COVID-19 had me look at things and I realized I was, my life was, I didn't even know it. Maybe I did a little bit, but not to the degree. My life was way out of balance, hmm. way out of balance. And so when, when my son uh, who runs track went to the track, I says, I'll go, I used to run marathons and this stuff. Says, I'll go to the track and when I tried to run, I couldn't even run because since foundation started seven years ago, based seven and a half years ago, I have completely neglected that side of my life. Mm. I knew I was doing it, but I thought no big deal. But when I got out there with my son and couldn't do what I used to do, like, <laughs> so it's like, wow. So since COVID-19 has happened, I'm, I'm down close to 20 pounds. Wow. Okay. Nice. Uh, taking a lot better care of myself, yeah. being aware of what I'm eating, and I feel really great. Uh, I still, I get, I still got some way to go. I'm not Matt Boyle, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 all right. Who looks like he's carved out of granite? Oh, but, stop um, it. But, uh, but that that was something that was out of balance. I realized that uh, our our family was out of balance. Their kids were in sports. You're running, you're running the practice school. This mm -hmm. kids in two different sports. And we're eating dinner together. And I'm saying, we, we got to do this more. This is important. This is, this is significant. Um, there weren't problems. I mean, we're, we, were, we were all functioning well. Mm -hmm. But functioning well doesn't mean we were, it, it was enriching. And so there are some things that I think we could look at during this time and say, okay, there are some things I'm, I'm missing, but uh, that, I have to, that, that, that society has told me to say no to. But in that space, what can I say yes to that I haven't been saying yes to? Yeah. And let's take, let's, we're going to get through COVID-19, God is faithful, but what are we going to take out of it that can be a memorial to people to say, 
God was good to his people, even during difficult times. Yeah, I love that story and that analogy. And even, not, I mean, and you mentioned this, not only what can we take, but what do we need to leave? Yes. You know, and I think right. that was one of the great invitations of Jesus when he would talk about the kingdom of God is like, there are some things that we're up to that just aren't compatible with the kingdom <laughs> of God. And if we want the kingdom of God to be on earth as it is in heaven, if we want to, to spend eternity in the kingdom of God, there are some things that we just can't be a part of <laughs> in order for that to happen. Absolutely. Um, and so I love the image of, of what do you need to take? What do you need to take from the, from the Jordan River? And then what do you need to leave there? What do you leave? And that's yeah. beautiful. That's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's the line. It's one thing to take the people out of Egypt, but it's another thing to take the Egypt out of the people. Yes. Yes. Um, so I like it. That's good. And one of my follow-up questions to you, because early on at the beginning of this conversation, you talked about how you learn to, like, you paid attention to the knowledge, but you didn't always pay attention to yourself. And so one of my yeah. follow-up questions is how have you, how have you learned to do that? But you just answered that. Yeah. Answered that question. Yeah. yeah. Spending more, spending more time with myself. You know, I, I tend to be, you know, an extrovert. I don't want to, uh, <laughs> uh, this is not a time of confession, maybe somewhat, you know, codependent, you know, like people, I like people and, and all that. So some of that taken away, has forced me to to go inward and that's been mm. really healthy and, and, and very rewarding for me. Good. Good. What about as, um, how have you seen God in the midst of your people, of, of the people who would call foundations their church? Yeah. I, I think uh, I, when, I, when I try to talk to some of the people, I, I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to get to get all of us, myself included, to see that because uh, because Americans love comfort. Yeah, uh, I love comfort. So. <laughs> and and I, I think to to your point earlier, I I think faith and comfort are almost incompatible in some mm. way. And 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 yet the the human being, or at least me, loves comfort. So to be uncomfortable is not a bad thing. Right. It's it's God is God is talking to us. Let's you know C.S. Lewis. You know I can't totally say his quote, but you know God whispers in our pleasures, but shouts in our pain. Mm -hmm. You know this is a time where I think God, God is is starting to shout a little bit. So let's pay attention to it because I think when God speaks to us, it's a good thing. The truth will set us free. So uh, I'm trying to tell them because I think people are, are, in my opinion, watching maybe too much TV, caving into the fear and some of the dynamics in our culture. Let, let's not do that because uh, the information is not going to uh, take away our fear. In this case, mm -hmm. it can maybe add to it. Mm -hmm. and, 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 um, and let's not be fearful, people, because like what you said, when we're fearful, I think we want to go to what's familiar Maybe God has taken us to a new place. Maybe, maybe this is good for the church, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe God is saying, hey, you better not be dependent on your buildings. All right. You know, th th this is good. Maybe the church needs to get out of those buildings and get in community and figure out. So I, I want people to say, yeah, this is a hard, I want to empathize. This is a hard time. We're in, we're in a different space, but it doesn't have to be a bad space. It can be a real good space. And, and I, I, don't even like, I don't even like the term, let's go back 
to normal. <laughs> yeah. Because when the Egyptians, I mean, when, the Egypt, when Israel was out of Egypt, it wasn't too long, and they says, let's go back. <laughs> this is too uncomfortable. Let's go back to normal, which yeah. was slavery. <laughs> yeah. No, no, God's got something better for us. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's trying to talk to us during these times to, to say, let, let, let's be open to, to, to something better than normal. Yeah. And I mean, to that, that this, the spirit of God isn't about going back to where we were, you know, the right. spirit of God is about moving us forward yes. to yeah. what's better and what's healthier. And, you know, even in the midst of this, we think that the spirit of God is, is doing that. Yeah. Um, good stuff. All right. You ready for the last question? Last question. I, please don't say, how do I solve like world poverty or something? Or oh, okay. uh, you've been throwing some grenades at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've been a good sport. Um, the la- this is the last question until I can think of another one. So here we go. <laughs> There's a passage in Philippians where Paul's writing to this church and he starts talking about contentment. And he says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And this word for content, it means to be in a continual state of peacefulness or a continual state of of satisfaction. So Paul's saying, look, I've learned throughout my life how to be at a state of peace, satisfaction, contentment. when things are going really, really well, and I can be content when I'm sitting in prison and writing a letter to, to, to this church. How have you, Carl, in all of this over the last six, seven weeks, been learning to be content, be at peace, be in a continual state of satisfaction? Yeah, that's great. And I'm glad you asked how am I learning because yeah. <laughs> I am learning. I'm not there for sure. Uh, none of us uh, are. There, there's a lot of me. There's a lot of me, even though I get irritated when I hear someone say, let's go back to normal. A lot of my inner dialogue with myself is I can't wait to get back to normal. So it's like, hey, yeah. dude, practice what you're preaching to people. Okay. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm learning. It's good because it, it takes away... Uh, I studied that word a long time ago, and I think this is right, Matt, if my memory serves me correctly. It's from two Greek words, auto, which means uh, self, like automobile is self-propelled, mm-hmm. auto, archaeo, sufficient. Mm-hmm. So if I really am a man of faith, all my sufficiency comes from my relationship with Jesus. Mm. Paul was able to write that when virtually everything was stripped of him. Yeah. So, um, I, I, and so I'm trying to let the circumstances of today's culture speak to me. Carl, where is your sufficiency? Is your sufficiency, are you finding meaning in going to a room of 800 people and speaking to that? Hmm. If I take that away, can you still be a person of peace enjoy and treat people graciously. If I take away um, your times where you're eating lunch, because I like people and like food, right? (laughs) If I take that away from you, are you going to whine like the children of Israel? Mm. Or are you going to find your sufficiency in Jesus? That's where it is. 
I think for Americans, I, I, I won't say, for, for me, that's hard. Yeah. I'm in a nice house. I got nice cars. I got, there's a lot of, there's a lot of comfort around me. Mm-hmm. And so COVID-19 on a very small scale is good for me because I am, I am not there, Matt, uh, but I'm trying to learn this contentment piece. Um, I, I find one last thing. I find that one of the greatest gifts I have a family in this house now. My family is four. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest gifts we can have as a family is to be away from each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because then when we're together, we appreciate each other more, right? Can we still have that appreciation when we're with each other <laughs> all the time? Yeah. Where is my contentment? And, and I, I want to be... Not not where I need to be, but I want to be where 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 Paul. I, I learn how to rejoice in 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 my faith, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, because my sufficiency is not in stuff or in accolades or in my job or position or how much money I have. My 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 sufficiency is in Jesus, and that's what I hope I can learn uh, to a greater degree through yeah. all of this. Wow. Thank you very much. Well said, man. Well, Carl, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I've known you for the, for just under a year. And, Seems longer, uh, doesn't it? It, man? it, it does. Each other longer. Yeah. It does. Um, you're the real deal. Your your church has helped a lot of people, including me and my family, over this last year. Uh, we found what we feel like is a home and you're a man I respect and a pastor I respect and you're the, you're the real deal. So we appreciate you, Carl. Thank you for being with us today. Great being with you. They can't, we're the people are just hearing us. They can't see it. Right. Right. Okay. So if I get you a white socks hat, would you wear one? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Not a chance. It's just staring me in the face. (laughs) Our whole conversation. Yeah. I never knew you were, I I thought you were an Indians fan. I am. But when I was in Chicago, I really, uh, I I did like the white socks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know how you did that, but, uh, Carl, thank you everyone. Thank you for listening. This has been what's true for everybody. Experience 65 with pastor Carl Sutter. Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy, stay content, and we will talk to you next time. Grace and peace to you all.